Well, good morning, Hope. Welcome to Hope's Digital Campus. If this is your first time worshiping with us, a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Rick. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and I'm joined by Jeff Bills, our lead pastor. Good morning, Hi. Jeff. Morning. Yeah, so we're uh, in the midst of a series that we're calling Hope 3.0, where we're telling the story of hope and how we are all part of this larger story of God, and we're celebrating 30 years as a church, and uh, and Jeff, you know this, that Kelly and I have our anniversary in August, and it's the same year the church was was started, so we just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah, 30th wedding anniversary, and I'm still shocked that she said yes 30 years ago. (laughs) Every year, that's what I reflect on, is how this woman said yes to me. And uh, yeah, so as we celebrate 30 years as a church, it is an important time to reflect on who we are and to look at the part of the story, uh, God's story the part that the church plays in that. So we're in this unique time as a nation and Mm -hmm. as a church, and so we think this is a great series for us to be in at this time. Now, Jeff, in that first year, uh, the church went from a core group of 12 people literally overnight to a church of 175. Right? I get that number yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and part of your role was to begin to establish the culture of this brand new church. And as I've heard you tell the story, uh, y- there was this important moment that took place at a, uh, a lunchtime yeah. in a restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was having lunch with uh, a guy who was part of that uh, original core group. Um, many of you know him, Randy Peterson. He's still uh, here and part of the uh, active part of the church today. And uh, so I was meeting with Randy, and I, I didn't have the leadership vocabulary at that point to know that what I was struggling with is how to, how to uh, help create this culture. Mm. So it's 175 strangers, basically, who are now coming together and starting this, this church together. And so I instinctively knew that we needed to help define what the culture of the church would be. And I wanted to be able to do that in a clear concise and compelling kind of way. And so I was struggling with this. We were at lunch. I'm wrestling with this in my mind and sharing it with Randy. And, uh, and it was going on and on and on. And I finally leaned across the table and said, Randy, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> but it was a long lunch. I'd had probably three ginger ales at that point. And uh, so when I came back from the bathroom, Randy handed me this napkin, and on the napkin, he had written three lines, and this is what he wrote. God wants to meet people. People want to meet God. Hope is a meeting place. And, you know, Rick, I've heard that leaders don't always have the best ideas, but leaders recognize the best ideas, and I recognized really quickly that this was what I was looking for, because in those three lines... Randy had captured our understanding of who God is, Hmm. who humanity is, and what our role as a church was going to be in the world. Yeah, and so we're going to unpack those, uh, those, those three yep. uh, statements and uh, look at each one just briefly. So the first one, God wants to meet people. And that's a theme that runs through the Old and New Testament. Uh, it goes all the way back to the creation story, which is you know the story of God and humanity. Uh, the writer of Genesis tells it this way. The writer of Genesis says that God breathed into humanity. God breathed into people. And, and the writer was describing this this close, intimate relationship that God and humanity was designed to have, that 
uh, it's close enough that we could feel God. But yet, humanity, people, made a choice that led to separation from God. One writer said that, the, and I love this, the drift of the human soul is always towards self-reliance. That, that we lean towards trying to be independent. That we lean towards moving away from God. And so it's led to the separation between people and God. And then as we move into the New Testament, we see that Jesus chooses to bridge the gap that was created by humanity. Uh, uh, Jesus, as a matter of fact, in John chapter 15 said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't think he was saying that that people can't do anything without God, because there are certainly people who are far away from God, and they're able to do things. I think what Jesus was suggesting there, what Jesus was saying there, is that we are at our best when we are in relationship with Jesus. And so we see this idea that God wants to meet people throughout the Old and New Testament. As a matter of fact, it's in some of our favorite stories, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, you just referenced John 15 and Luke 15. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus tells three stories. And all three stories share in common this idea of things lost and things found. Mm. He talks about a lost sheep. He talks about a lost coin. And he talks about a lost kid. Mm. And in the series of lost things, uh, God is portrayed as a shepherd, as mm. a woman, and as a father mm -hmm. who is concerned about and looking for, seeking after those things that were lost. And so as the story goes on, um, Jesus is... Uh, describing God in this powerful way mm. that God is not this God who is aloof, who is angry and rejecting right. mm -hmm. just because someone or someone uh, something is lost, but that we have a God who actively pursues people because mm. we matter to God. Yeah, 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 we matter to God. Uh, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, Blaise Pascal as we were preparing the message and uh, yeah. uh, mentioned a statement that he made. It's going to be on the screen in just a moment. Now, he was a philosopher and a theologian from the 17th century and uh, just want to just read through that. So it's going to come up here in just a moment. There. So, so there was once a man there was once in man or once in people a true happiness. And I think he's talking about that relationship between God and humanity. He says, there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. That, that all that's left is this framework that we're hardwired for this relationship, yeah. but we've lost it. It's missing, yeah. He's getting, he goes on to say, this he tries in vain to fill with everything around him. Don't we do that? We try to fill this void with everything around us. Seeking in things that are not there that help, we cannot find in those that are, though none can help. Since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that we're hardwired for relationship with God, which leads to our next defining statement that people want to meet God. And while people want to meet God, the church over the centuries hasn't always provided a vehicle 
to meet God. Sadly, throughout history, at times, different churches have taught that God loves good people only, that, uh, or that religious people only are loved by God, that only people who think like this are welcomed. And so sadly, the church has done that over the centuries. But this certainly is not like Jesus. And Jeff, you mentioned the, the Luke 15 story uh, of, the, of the lost things. And uh, Luke gives us the reason for why Jesus told us those stories about God loving all people. And I love the reason for why Jesus told the story. And it's again, it's going to be up on the screen. This is from Luke chapter 15. It's the first three verses. And we're reading from the message version this time. And it says, this. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, mm. I love that, that yeah. they had doubtful reputation, were hanging around Jesus, listening intently. People want to meet God, right? The Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. And it says that they growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And their grumbling triggered the stories. So that's, yeah. that's what triggered those stories. So Luke tells us that there was this crowd of not what the culture would call good people. And they were following Jesus. And those who were supposed to be or were thought to be good people, the religious people, were grumbling. And it was this motivation for Jesus telling the stories about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost, uh, the, uh, the, the lost son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So... The thing about, I think what Jesus is saying here is there are no wrong people, yeah. right? There mm -hmm. aren't people that we don't hang out with. There aren't people that God doesn't care about. So in the stories that he told, just because the coin was missing didn't mean the woman cared about it any less. Right. Just because a sheep had wandered off didn't mean the shepherd cared any less for it or the father cared any less for the son mm -hmm. who had gone off to a far country. God continues to right. love and seek after those lost people. There are no wrong people in the kingdom of God. Mm. God desires to be in relationship with all of us, and we have this longing to mm. be with him. And so what we've seen here at Hope Church uh, over these 30 years is literally hundreds of people over these years, and Rick, you've been a part of this, and anybody who's been around has seen this going on year after year as people have come to us to find, looking for something yeah. and finding a faith in Jesus and then growing in that relationship with Jesus. And we've seen people across a whole gamut, you know, right. so we've seen people who've come who are outwardly successful professionally, their lives are doing well and so forth, but they have this sense that there's got to be something more and they've come here looking for it. We've seen people who've come uh, who have addictions, people who have um, been wounded by abuse, whether it was physical abuse or emotional abuse, maybe even abuse by a, uh, by a religious leader, mm -hmm. and uh, they've come to us uh, wounded. We've had people who have come because they're curious or they're skeptical. You name it, people have come and are seeking something here. Mm -hmm. And it's been awesome to watch as they have gone through the seeking process and uh, sometimes the stories right. are dramatic yep. right so mm -hmm. somebody has this epiphany very quickly and they go from not believing to believing and growing uh, really quickly and those are always exciting stories but the truth is most folks come and it's a 
period of time. It's a, it's a period of years often right. taking one step at a time, one halting step at a yeah. time mm-hmm. toward faith in Christ. Yeah, so we've seen, so God wants to meet people. People want to meet God. In Acts chapter 11, we're going to see how this helps us to unpack our third statement. So in Acts chapter 11, uh, reading from verse 22, there's a story that uh, talks about the church that really understood and began to follow God's design for the church. So it says this, then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for, what, that's the wrong verse. So it says this, (laughs) when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So there's a story about this church in Antioch that began. Antioch was the first place where Gentiles and Jews together believed in Jesus's resurrection. And up until this moment, the followers of Jesus believed that a relationship with God or relationship with Jesus was for Jews alone. It was only for the Jews. But in Antioch, they began to intentionally share Jesus with all people, whether they were Jewish or Gentile, or it didn't matter. And, they, and these people began to believe, and they had these life-changing experiences. So this was so significant that the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas to find out, to investigate what was going on in Antioch. And so that's what we just, uh, that's what you just heard me read, is that Barnabas was sent. And when he gets there, it says that he sees what's happening, and he is so encouraged, so excited. He tells the church, stay true to this. Keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, he was so filled with joy, and he says, keep doing what you're doing, because the church was doing what it does best. It was creating this healthy community for people from all different backgrounds, all different cultures, and they were being changed by God's Spirit. They were living in this healthy community together. All people, Jews, Gentiles, men, women, boys and girls, it didn't matter. And then then Barnabas, it says that Barnabas then left for just a short time. He went and found Saul, who became Paul the missionary, but he went and found Saul and he brought him to Antioch. And it says that Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch for a year. Now, there's, I'm sure, lots of reasons for why Paul and Barnabas stayed there. But one reason that I believe to be true is that I believe that the church was so real, it was so unique in Antioch, that God was moving in such a way that Barnabas just wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. He wanted to be immersed in this movement of God that was taking place in this city for Jews and Gentiles and all people. This became a change that uh, was earth-shattering to the church. It was controversial even, and it created this changing in culture that it was not only Jews, not only good people, but that Antioch became the church model for all people to meet God and to be in community together, right? Terrific. Yeah. So hope is a meeting place. Mm-hmm. We have this core conviction that a healthy Christian community mm-hmm. is attractive yeah. to people outside of that community. In other words, when we're, when we're being the church that Jesus longs for us to be, right. what I would describe as God's dream community because the church functioning at healthy levels, at highest levels, is the best that community will ever be Mm -hmm. this side of heaven. Mm -hmm. And so when the church is being that kind of church, when it's a healthy uh, dream community, it is 
infectious and people are drawn toward it, uh, drawn toward it and want to be a part of it. They, they just want to be a part of what's going on in a church like that and, and want to figure it out and so forth. And that's what we've been seeing over these 30 years. So in addition then to this, uh, this statement about uh, hope being a meeting place, we have this vision, and we'll unpack this more next week, but just uh, to touch on what this vision is, it's three connections. Connecting people to God through a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The second connection is connecting people to one another in authentic Christian community. And then the third is connecting the church to the world mm-hmm. to be salt and light. That's our vision, and we'll, like I said, we'll talk more about that uh, soon. So God wants to meet people. People want to meet God. Hope is a meeting place. And that's been true of us for 30 years. Now, 30 years may sound like a long time to you, but really it isn't that long at all, and it's gone so quickly. It's just beginning. Think about, friends, think about what God did with a small group of faithful people 30 years ago. Mm. Think about what God is doing in our midst right now, even in the face, Rick, of this pandemic yep. where we have been apart, right. look at all that God has been doing uh, in these seven months or so, um, continuing to do through and in this community called Hope. And now imagine with me, dream with me, what God might do next mm. as we continue to be his dream community here and now. Mm. So let's pray together. Oh, our good and gracious God, thank you that you care for lost people Mm. like me. That we are never so far from you that you don't actively pursue us. That even when I'm far from you, God, you are close to me. And I thank you for a community of faith that knows a God like that. That desires as individuals to connect with you in deep ways. And then collectively that we desire to help others connect as well. And so, Lord, as we seek to be your dream community here in Voorhees and surrounding. We give you thanks for leading us. We give you thanks for directing us. We give you thanks for surprising us Mm. in the ways that you have chosen to move in and through this community called Hope. Mm. And we pray, God, that in the days ahead that we'll continue to be faithful, listening for your voice and following where you call us that we might truly be a meeting place. Mm. I pray these things in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.